When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So I thought, well, we know a lot about real estate. We know a lot about rehab. We don't know as much about downtown projects. We'll learn to educate ourselves and we'll buy a building and then two and then three. And at some point I was like, like, where, where do we stop? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're literally building. You're, you're renovating a portion of the town. I think that's the coolest thing though. You're listening to the Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered Podcast, a place for inspiration, empowerment, and personal development. Showcasing badass women from all over the world, giving tips on personal development, mindset, and healing. I'm your host, Olivia, transformational success coach for spiritual female entrepreneurs. Now let's dive into this episode. Hello, and welcome back to the Empowered Woman, Badass, and Unfiltered Podcast. Today, I have the powerhouse, the most sought-after real estate investor here in, in this sharing space with me right now. I'm so honored to have her. She is Juan Bent Twyford. So she started out as a single mom that worked for Denny's, and she now leads heads up Investors Edge University, a company that specializes in training new and seasoned investors in a wide range of real estate investing techniques through live workshops, weekly webinars, a member site, coaching, and seminars. Like, guys, guys, you're welcome, okay? (laughs) I'm honestly just so honored to have you here, and I just want to get into your story, how you started, some of the pitfalls that you dealt with, and any words of encouragement that you have for the listeners? Oh, well, I appreciate Liv, you having me on your call. First of all, I, I, I got to tell you, I, I've been on so many podcasts over the uh, many years, and I love the fact that you have the word badass and unfiltered in your title, because I don't think anybody else has the guts to do that. So I was like, I love her already. <laughs> Thank because you. You don't <laughs> care what the people think. It was hard. It was hard to come up with that title and especially, you know, being somebody that's so like religious and spiritual and, you know, you get like the guilt, like, oh, you shouldn't speak that way. But I'm like, I am who I am. So God's still working on me. So until that, you know, until I don't say certain things, it's just, that's, and that's honestly the best way to describe the women that come on this show. Like, you know, you're straight up badass. Like you've got pink hair. Like, I do. I have pink hair. This was actually the result of COVID. I, I couldn't get my hair colored for as, as many of us. And I did not realize how much gray I actually had because I just always color my hair. 
So I thought, well, I'll just put on these semi-permanent colors. I've got time. We're locked down. So I put on like different shades of purple and violet and different shades of pink. And I think I put some blue in there. And then I did the pink. I thought, you know what? I really like the pink hair. I have my little flamingos. I, I like pink and purple. And I was like, I'm going to keep the pink hair. So, so this is what I came out of COVID with the pink hair. And then weirdly enough now, everybody's like, oh, I want to interview that girl with pink hair. So without intentionally trying to make it a branding, it became its own branding. Yes, because that sticks out because a lot of people do not have the guts to have pink hair. They don't. Or like and you know, it's funny. I meet so many people and they say those exact words. They go, I wish I had the guts to make my hair pink. I'm like, well, I don't understand what you mean by you wish you had the guts. Just go buy the stuff and put it on and have pink hair. Like what guts do you need to have pink hair? I have had hundreds of people that have met me in person. They're just like, oh, your hair's so pretty. I just, I don't have the guts. Like, but why? Like, was it, there's no pink hair police. Like, what? why do you care what anybody else thinks? So I think when you finally get to where you really don't care, you can wear pink hair and be happy about it. <laughs> How did you get to the point where you don't care about what people think? I am so sorry. My phone is, is off and I heard a buzzing come through. I tried to shut it off so it wouldn't disrupt us and it started talking. What was the question? What allowed you to get to the point where you stopped caring about what people think? You know... You and I had talked earlier, so every, you know, because you were on my podcast, and I was very much cared about what people thought, not really so much in my 20s, because I was too wild, but in my 30s, I started real estate investing, and then I started, people started asking me to come, hey, speak at my event, teach people what you're doing, there's not a lot of women speakers, and I had hired a guy, Paul Bauer was his name, to kind of coach me and teach me like how to be a speaker. So I, you know, back in the day, it was a five day one-on-one and he worked with me and just, you know, taught me how to tell stories and how to do that. But then he was like, now listen, you're a woman. So you have to like, you know, look like a speaker. So I always had on suits and I always had really short conservative hair. And I just remember thinking, I love to speak and teach and train and help people, but I hate the way I look because it's not me. It's just too conservative. But I spent my whole entire 40s with this short, proper, conservative, speaker, suits, heels, look. And finally, I was like, you know what? Screw that. I'm not going to do that anymore. So when I turned 50, I decided to dye my hair black and start wearing jeans and kind of get wilder. And then when I turned 60, I thought, you know what? I really don't care what people think. I need to just let that be my motto in life. So my new motto became, uh, the older I get, the more people can kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. And then I was like, I'm going to make my hair pink because I don't care. If someone doesn't want to have me or talk to me, like, oh, she's too weird, then they're not my people. Exactly. Not everybody's your people. And so to really, truly, just really, truly, it took me until I turned 60, but I started on my 50th birthday. I was like, you know, I'm dead. Let my gray hair around. I'm dying to black. I'm going to get an ombre and wear these crazy clothes. And, and so 50. So all of you girls out there that are younger, stop caring what people think today. Because I wasted decades of my life caring what other people think. I feel like for myself, it's such a layered process. Like, I don't care about what people think in certain aspects. 
like the things that I want to do, but it's, it's the friends that I have. It's the smaller circles that you care about, you know, cause people have feelings, you know, and, um, people want you to do what they want you to do. Yeah. You know, like with your, you care about what your spouse thinks. Yeah. You know, like that, I think that that's the layer that I'm at now where it's like, where do I stop caring about like what my closest friends and family think? I think that's the biggest stronghold uh, for me. And I know a lot of other people too. But it is. And, you know, I've got friends now that I've had since my 20s. And, you know, we've grown together for, you know, three, 30 years, like decades. And uh, the one thing about that is I actually never really cared, like, what my friends thought about how I looked or dressed because I knew they loved me for who I was. I was more concerned about what people thought about me outwardly. Like, is she professional? Is she this? Is she that? And I'm trying to fit into some box some female box over here. But when I was not speaking on stage, I was over here being this crazy person and looking in the mirror and going, man, the way I look is not how I feel on the inside. So it took me a, a long time to just like how I look now. That's how I feel on the inside, like fun and happy. And like, that's how I feel inside. But with my friends, I think I've reached a point where you just realize that your true friends really love you, who you are and the way you are, and they support you. And if you're a little crazy or a little this or a little that, but you do have to, you know, you don't want to like be rude and hurt people's feelings. Yeah. And things like that. But if you really have true friendships, I mean, there's no way to talk about deep things that aren't going to some point, you're not going to agree. There's nobody you cannot agree with for all of your life, mm-hmm. especially your spouse. My husband makes me crazy sometimes. I'm just like, Ugh. But, um, and he likes, he embraces, he's like, girl, I love the way you look, the crazy you are, the more I like it. So is your husband like, does he, I know he also does real estate, but does he sing or like, is he in a band or something? No, he's known as the real estate rock star because he loves his long hair. He loves his ears pierced. He wears all these expensive Robert Graham shirts that are crazy and wild and so when they introduced us, they're like, oh, here's Bill Twyford, the real estate rock star, and Dwan Ben Twyford, America's most soft real estate investor. We're like, ah, we come up on the stage. And he always just has that crazy rock star look. And everyone's like, are you in a band? <laughs> He's like, no, I just like looking like this. It's just fun for him. And, and, and I like it too. I mean, I still in my mind like that, like 80s guy with the hair and the blonde and the earrings. And like, that's my look. So it's like, I don't want him to change for other people because I like that look. So yeah, he looks like he could be in a band, but he used to say crazy, motivational, rah-rah speaker, but he's like that 24 hours a day. On the stage is exactly how he is in private. He's just out there. I bet y'all are so interesting together. Like y'all are probably a great time. But like, I can imagine you guys, like, let's say we got to Colorado, we're up in the mountains, just by the campfire, hot tub over there, having like some quality wine. I just, I can imagine that just being a just amazing well, conversation. You know, <laughs> like. Well, I gotta tell you what, we really are like that super fun couple to like hang out with because we're both really spontaneous 
and we're not afraid to try anything new. And someone's like, hey, let's go do this. We're like, well, okay, will it kill us? No, I want my kid, let's go try it. Like, you know, we really are like that person, that couple. And everyone is always like, you guys are so much fun to hang out with. You're just so life of the party. And not that we specifically try to be life of the party people. We're just real, really extroverted, both of us. And we just love get togethers and we love having people come up and cook out and hang out. And we just love all that stuff. We're just really super highly extroverted. How did you find him? So it's a, it's funny because I, I became a real estate investor basically around 30. Okay. 30 ish, like 31, 32. And, uh, in cell, I was living in, in, South Florida, Delray Beach in West Palm Beach, Florida. And I met another woman and we decided that we would be business partners. We thought, you know, two of us together, you know, two people can do like the work of a thousand. And so we started a real estate investing club together and we started all these different things. And both of us are decent looking. So we were getting asked out all the time. So we just made a, a, you know, a hard, fast rule that we don't date investors. Because as a man... You can go to a real estate meeting every month with a new woman and they're like, oh, you're the man, you get laid. But as a woman, if you come with a different man every month, you're like the real estate hoe. Yeah. You know, and, and so we're like, okay, so we're just, we're not going to date any investors, nobody, you know, because we work with all these people. So that was just a hard rule. And so I was speaking at a workshop uh, in Colorado. So I'm living in Florida, speaking in Colorado. And Bill's in the audience and he starts talking to me and I'm like, I don't date investors. And I certainly don't date people in the audience, but there was just this really, like really instant and like super instant thing. And I was like, gosh, darn, I don't know. I think I'm going to break my own rule with this guy because he's so hot. I can't stand it, you know? And I had like this checklist, you know, this is what I want in a man, check, 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 check. And so I'm asking him questions and, and my mind is like going, check check and I'm checking off my list I'm like maybe maybe you know being an investor because my thought was you talk real estate 24 7 and that would be your entire life so I wanted somebody doing something different but as it turned out we became like this powerhouse together because he brought his things to the table I brought my things to the table when we met we each already closed 800 deals individually and so we were like up here and then all of a sudden we just like and now we're rehabbing a whole entire town. Yes. Tell me about that rehabbing <laughs> this portion of a town. Like, that is so, <laughs> so cool. I can't even imagine not being married to this man and having the investing in common. Because I don't know, um, you know, you get married and sometimes, especially if you're doing different things, you might sort of take on the personality and want to, you know, maybe the other person distracts you from what you're doing and I think that we were in the same field and we were both rehabbing and flipping houses and we started working together. I was like, oh, this is the best thing in the world. I guess I did need to be with a real estate investor, just not anyone before you. So he is from a little town called Clinton, Iowa. And um, so it's right on the Mississippi River. It's like a, a river town right on the actual river. And we like to go back to all of his high school reunions. So on the one that was like four years ago, we were going to the downtown and we always go walk the, and it's a very little tiny, like three blocks wide and three blocks deep right on the river. 
And it was one of those little downtowns that at some point it was like the place to go. Everyone came downtown, everything, you know, downtown, downtown. And then since I've been going there, out like way out of town, they put out a casino and uh, a place to have concerts. And then the Walmart went out there and then the restaurants went up there. And, and then the downtown was sort of like the place that time forgot. Mm-hmm. And so we, and we go back every five years. I'm always like, man, you know, this downtown needs some love. Like somebody needs to come in here and revitalize this downtown because it's beautiful. And so we're at the last reunion of about four years ago. We called up someone that works for the city. So like, hey, is there any revitalization? Is there any opportunity zones? Is there anything happening down here that we could like get involved with? And we don't do anything just like normal people would do. So we found out that they have an active revitalization for the actual downtown parameters, this little area. And there's so much money in grants for roofs and windows and the facade of the buildings. And so nothing for the inside, but for the outside, so much money. It's an opportunity zone, which means as long as you own it for 10 years, there's no capital gains. It's like, so we thought, you know, we'll just buy one building, <laughs> one building on the corner. It's on the main corner. We'll put an antique mall in there and that'll help people start coming downtown. And then we we're like, okay, well, maybe we'll buy a second building. Well, we got another one, but we got that one from a lady um, that was retiring and she was 78. And she says, hey, my husband passed away. I heard you bought this building from these people and I want to move to Florida. And would you buy my building? So we're like, well, okay, we could we could buy two. So then she told all her little ladies at the Rotary Club, and and they're all like literally 80, and all of them have outlived their husbands. And these women have known each other for decades, and they all want to move to Florida. So the next thing, another woman calls Carol. She's like, hey, I've got three buildings. Would you take my buildings? And we're just like, oh my God, we can't keep buying buildings. So then we were like, well, if you owner finance it 100%, no money down, let us just send you payments. We'll take your building. And then the next person called and the next person called and we have 20. (laughs) And now we're like revitalizing the entire downtown. But it's amazing. We and, And during COVID, we opened up the antique mall. We opened up a clothing boutique. Uh, we opened up like a market shop, a marketplace that's like coffee and um, pie and you know that kind of thing. We opened up an event center, like farmers market things. And the downtown is bustling, and they're having these concerts on the street every week and closing off the town. This cars and it's like it's so crazy. It's just this great. It's still a work in progress, clearly, because these buildings, some of them had been sitting empty for decades. So we have a lot of work. Um, So we're just, you know, one at a time, plugging them away and and renting them to people. That will bring, like one guy wanted to rent one of our buildings on the main drag, he wanted to put in a mattress store. And we're like, well, a mattress store is a good thing, it's not gonna bring people downtown. So we said, no, we can't, we have to rent to people that will bring business. Well, then someone came along later and says, hey, I want to put in a rib, a restaurant and I serve ribs and have a brewery. Like, oh, okay. We will rent to you because you'll bring people down. Mm-hmm. So we just have all these like chess pieces all over town. And we're really picky about who we let rent. And they have to participate in bringing activity to the downtown. Otherwise, we're just going to end up with a bunch of buildings with a bunch of doctors in them. And 
it'll be the same as it's been for the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, we know a lot about real estate. We know a lot about rehab. We don't know as much about downtown projects. We'll learn to educate ourselves and we'll buy a building and then two and then three. And at some point I was like, like, where, where do we stop? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're 20 literally building. You're, you're renovating a portion of the town. I think that's the coolest thing though. That and we're keeping all the buildings. Like we are keeping them all because Bill and I are the first two people He's from Iowa. I'm from Dayton, Ohio. We're the first two people in our families to become millionaires. So we want to start that generational wealth that the Bible speaks about. So I said, you know what? This is the town because it, all these little towns are getting redone. They become little destinations. It's happening all over the United States and anything on the river is good. And so we just started a bunch of stores that are called Riverfront something, like Riverfront Boutiques, Riverfront Mall, you know, and then we have a website, everything Riverfront. And, uh, but now we have wealth to leave to our kids and to our grandkids. And so we're trying to start the, you know, the blessing that it is to start generational wealth in your family. So that's kind of the, ended up being the big picture once we got in it was like, well, let's just Let's do this. The Bible says it's a good thing. God says it's a good thing. No one in our family did it. So let's be the people that start. Someone, it's got to start somewhere. When did you make the shift to want to have generational wealth? Like when was that, when was that a focus? Um, well, we always wanted to be able to leave our kids. I, I don't know. I, I'm not the person that's, hey, I'm going to leave my kids $3 million because that's how people just burn through money, you know, because they didn't work for anything. So once we started doing the buildings, I thought, you know what, this is a way to create actual wealth. And the kids will have to maintain their buildings and their tenants and they'll have to learn or they can just sell them and tap out and that's all they ever get. But if they keep doing what we're doing, you know, they'll inherit 20 or $30 million worth of buildings. And then down the road, it's more and more and more and more. And, you know, certainly when we pass away, they could all just sell everything and bail out of town, but they're invested. So we got all of our kids to start buying rentals in the town. So all three of our kids have rentals in town and they're like, they're invested now. And they, they like the idea and they understand that, you know, they get nothing until we die and probably not a dollar of cash, but they get a lot of buildings that they'll take care of them. So we just thought, I don't know, and then God started putting it on our heart and we were reading it in the Bible. And I thought, you know, you know what? Everyone has got generational wealth. Somebody had to be the first one in the family. Mm -hmm. Somebody, you know, all these people like the Rockefellers, all these crazy wealthy people, somebody bought that first piece of property. And, and our families that did not happen for either of us, like we were the first ones. And, you know, we thought, well, okay, we're, we're, we're going to do that. We're just, we're going to start. And, and the kids got rentals and um, and they're all in on, and then one of them has a commercial building and they just all of a sudden like, Hey, we really like this. This is a lot of great money. It's passive income. And if we keep it going, they won't have to struggle the decades that we did, but they'll have to keep it alive. Now with what's going on in the world, this, this thought just came to me. It was, you've, you've had so much experience with life and seeing multiple depressions, um, you know, and wars and so many things have happened in the United States 
since you were born. Mm -hmm. What are you predicting 2030 is going to look like when it comes to our economic stand standing? Hey, do you want to join this conversation? Do you have input that you would love to give? Join Level Up with Liv Facebook community for badass spiritual women. It's all about accountability and motivation. And we talk about these podcasts as well. The link to join is in the show notes below. Gosh, girl, I don't know. I, I, you know, uh, I know you're a Christian, so you'll understand this. You know, the Bible talks a lot about in the book of Revelations that towards the end times, like the Christians will be the bad guys. And, and at some point we'll have to take the mark or not take the mark. And the people that don't take it will like be beheaded and like all this crazy stuff. And I just always think like, well, how would America ever get to a place where something like that would be acceptable? And then I was watching the news this week and the president said the real pandemic is a pandemic of unvaccinated people. And I recorded it and I thought, oh my God, did they just say that like out loud? Like, and then I started thinking about like Hitler and where you had to like show your paper, show your paper, show your papers. And I thought, wow, I could actually see where that could become the thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we're there according to the biblical prophecies. But I tell my kids, I'm like, listen, in the next 10 years, we might all be dead because we won't take the vaccination. I don't know. We might all be dead because we won't, we won't take the vaccine. I don't know where we are in all of that. But if none of that happens, <laughs> I think that the country will go on and we'll build and we'll rebuild. And, you know, a lot of cities, like you go to Houston, no matter where you go, they're building brand new stuff all the time. There's no street that's not building stuff. And, and real estate is a way most new millionaires come from real estate. If you're brand new, they are almost, they start buying real estate and that's how they became wealthy. And so I feel like if we don't end up in the, the actual end times where we're like, no, we're not taking the mark and you know, we're having all that. I feel like the economy will just keep getting better. I think a lot of these uh, internet things at some point will become unsustainable and people will kind of have to go back to talking and talking to people face to face and more like this is my neighborhood and these are my people and we we're here for each other and I'm hoping things kind of go back a little bit more old-fashioned. I think that change is definitely something that's inevitable I think but we do the same things throughout history yeah. Just with different people. Yeah. And with you, you know, you mentioned Biden, who said that. And I mean, uh, the vice president has said that multiple times. She has said, you know, we it's the unvaccinated. And I mean, I have a friend whose law office in Florida is, uh, is doing a drawing for people to get vaccinated. They're doing two drawings and they will get $2,500 if they get vaccinated. Now I got vaccinated and I'm gonna be completely honest, it was for selfish reasons. It was so I would not have to be inconvenienced. I admit that I poisoned myself. I, <laughs> it was a choice to not be inconvenienced. I say it just like that. I understand that COVID is a problem. It's a, you know, I never got it. My husband got it. I. I slept in the same bed next to him, didn't get it. I've been exposed yeah. so many times. It's a blessing. I count that as a blessing. Oh yeah, no, I no, no. The extra step, you know, but I just, I feel like it's a sense of control. 
and but I don't have anything against people that that did it. Like, <laughs> like I, I just, for me personally, I just feel like, okay, then you get that, and then you have to show papers that you had it, and you can't go to a concert because you didn't get vaccinated. And then my mind is like, okay, that's exactly how the Hitler started. And at some point, it was okay to kill people because they were Jewish. I'm like, at some point, how many decades does it take? He was only, I've been reading a lot about it this week. He was only like reigning for just a short, like 20 year, like a short time. Yeah. Like, it was Gosh, darn. It, it really, he had like the thirties and like the forties. And I watched, so I actually watched um, how to become a tyrant on Netflix recently. You should watch all of them. It's a short you know, series. I'm telling you, they talk about Stalin. They talk about um, Gaddafi. They talk about Hitler. They talk about, um, there's two other ones, but I mean, it was just, it gave me so much perspective, but it made me so much mm -hmm. more proud to be an American. Oh, I know. Um, and you know, with our age difference, like when I was born, I know this is something I think about, like when I was born in 1959, black people and white people still couldn't get married mm -hmm. against the law. So I've seen interracial marriage be approved. I've seen gay marriage be approved. And I have several gay friends that were so excited to get married. And I've seen all this love and peace and everybody. And then there's like this screeching halt. And now we're being divided by who vaccinated and who didn't. And then that sets in, okay, who's going to take the mark and who's not. And I'm just like, holy cow, like this is literally the Bible in front of me you know because i went through like the the 70s as a teen and then the disco of the 80s and you know all these different things and technology and like, i remember getting my first cell phone and being like oh my god i have a cell phone this is the greatest thing in the world you know but my kids don't know they're your age they don't know what it's like not to have those things and so i remember the simpler days i love technology but i feel like at some point it's too much I absolutely agree. I think that children are losing critical thinking skills. I think yeah. that people are losing communication skills. Um, I even, I'm, I'm guilty myself of being like, oh, just find me on Facebook. Like, and, and instead of actually like talking, and I caught myself, especially after COVID, because I was so like on screen and so on social that it wasn't, it wasn't the same to interact with people. Yeah. And so I had to catch myself and be like, oh no, this is a thing. But there's so many people that do not catch themselves. Like, and yeah. I'm an her. <laughs> I am too. The, the first time that we went out, you know, because we do a lot of uh, teaching. We do a lot of training. So we go to these events and we teach for two days. We teach like a real estate investing workshop, a two-day workshop. And so we had 20, we do about 20 a year on a normal year because we really love to teach and train and help people gain financial wealth. Well, the minute COVID hit, like the whole schedule of 2020 was just wiped off the map. And I was like, wow, okay, well there went this much of my income for the year. And when we went back to our very first speaking event a few months back, I remember thinking like, I feel a little bit, um, not nervous, but I felt a little bit of social anxiety being with a lot of people in the room and wondering like who's been sick, who hasn't been sick, and my mind was like, you know, should I hug people? Do I do I, do I don't touch me? And 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 I felt a little weird engaging with a room full of people. And I am the most extroverted person on the face of the earth. And I thought, wow, I am so happy to be out again. 
and be able to like hug someone and be like, oh my God, there you are. And, you know, but the first couple of times we spoke, I remember feeling a little bit like a stage fright because you just don't know what's going on in everybody's mind and where they've been and what have they been through and where's everybody at. And, and it was really weird for me to even be nervous to speak in front of anyone. So I do it all the time for decades. I found myself personally getting, becoming so much more judgmental um, because I, you know, I was on social for so long and it's like the first time like people would leave like a negative comment or even a really nice, long, positive comment. I look at their profile and I come up with a whole entire story in my head about who this person is before I even really talk to them or even comment. Right. So then I was, I found myself doing that in public. Like I would see people out to eat and I'm like, oh, they're probably so like this way. And they're probably like, Oh, I don't, and me coming up with all these, I, I don't do that anymore, but that was like the first couple of weeks after like, you know, being re-socialized that I was like, yeah. oh no, this is a problem. So I agree that too much technology is a problem, but I do want to get into your program and what you offer, because I would love for my listeners, if they're interested in real estate to definitely participate in what you have to, in, in, in any of your seminars or courses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if they just go to my website, it's just dwanderful.com. D-W-A-N-D-E-R-F-U-L. So I just feel like wonderful instead of wonderful. I decide to, you know, play on my name. I tell people, oh, have a Dwantastic day. So I just made up a bunch of things that are kind of a play on my name because Dwan's a really unusual name. So I thought, well, why not? And then thus came the pink hair. <laughs> so I started my little wonderful universe over there. So people just go to dwonderful.com and opt in. I've actually got four free eBooks. That'll talk to people a little bit about like wholesaling and flipping houses and short sales, just kind of an introductory, like, hey, this is kind of what real estate investing is. If you're interested, you know, get on a webinar, come to a workshop, come see me in person, or just follow me on social media. Thank you. That, no, that's. And, and the thing I love about investing is when I started myself, I was so, 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 like, you don't even know, I was so broke. And I didn't want to get a job. I didn't want to put my daughter in daycare. So I really like had a, that was my come to Jesus moment. And I had to put on my big girl pants. And like, I thought I'm going to make this happen so I can raise this child myself. I'm not going to let anything get in my way or the naysayers, the family, the, you know, you know, the circle that's like, you can't do that. What do you know? You're a woman. Like I heard all that stuff 30 years ago. And, and I thought, you know what, if I can do that and change my entire generational history everybody else can do it because there's nothing special about me i went to high school that was it i worked in factories i waited tables i did drugs i did i was ridiculously wild and when i i got in and i saw the money i was like wow holy cow i can really and then when i started teaching and my very first student became a millionaire i thought oh my god i can i just helped make a millionaire like this guy's worth a million dollars and i was like I'm going to tell the whole world about how they can do this. And then next thing you know, I was like out of my mind with teaching, which is kind of why I started my podcast because it gives me a place to, to talk and teach when there's not a workshop. Yes, guys, please also, so all of her links are listed in the show notes below, but definitely take a moment to check out her podcast in the minds of today's millionaires. It is. It's so amazing. Like she talks about so much. She asks so many questions. She's so authentic and real and pure. And it's, you can find it on YouTube, like, cause she'll, she has a video version on YouTube, but you can also find it anywhere else that you can find podcasts. Yeah. Everywhere. 
And I just found out, like I just learned how to read um, the podcast stats. And just a couple months ago, I found that I was in 30 countries. And I was like, oh, I'm in 30 countries. Like, how is this possible? This is like the girl that was fired from Denny's. How am I there? You know? So sometimes I, I, I think about it and I'm like, gosh, darn, I don't even know how I did all that. But you've transformed so much throughout your life, though. Like so much. When, when uh, like, what was your most impactful transformation? So I kind of had, well, the first one was when my husband and I split up. He actually had gotten arrested for selling drugs. So he was in jail. So when I tell people like we were suddenly separated, he was like there this day and in jail this day. So that was really hard because it wasn't like we were fighting and we hated each other. He was doing something behind my back and with his buddies and he was in a band and next thing he was in jail and he was just gone. So I was like, okay. Well, now I'm a single mom and I got a baby and I got a man in jail and I don't know what to do. So that was where I started the, I'm going to work for myself and a man is not a plan. Never again will I rely on that to support myself and raise my daughter. So that was my first giant. And then in my thirties, I got back into church and my divorce was over and I started going uh, to a big church in South Florida. And they had a lot of singles retreats and all these singles retreats are sort of like, hey, if you're a single man or woman and you would like to be in a godly marriage, you have to start prepping yourself and you have to be ready to be a wife. And a wife is not drinking and sleeping around on the weekends and waiting to meet a husband. So I went through this four year thing where I like re-virginized, like no sex, no drugs, no partying. I was waiting for God to bring me a husband. We were going to wait till we got married to sleep together, like this whole transformation. And I think that was when I, I really found myself. And so, and that went on for four years. So the first year I was like, Lord, hey, been a year since I had sex. Like, you know, let's get cracking here. And then the second year I was like, hey, 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 listen, two years here, like, come on. And I just remember, I remember God just like putting on my heart, like, listen, when you stop counting, I will bring you somebody. Like, oh, all right. And so it was four years before I met my husband. And, but going into that, I went in with like such a godly atmosphere and, and um, just both of us. And we were just pure all the way through it. And we really worked hard to blend our families and have, you know, I had a kid and he had two and, and it was just really life-changing because I really truly let God take over for me. And when I released that and started letting God do it instead of me saying, well, God, here's what I want. And like trying to make things go my own path. And I really just really like humbled and said, okay, here you go. Like, here's my life and do what you want. Um, everything went crazy after that. And now we've been married 20 years. See, that's such a blessing. And four year, and, and that four year time, I went through so many things. Like, you know, my first, I got married really young in my twenties, it was stupid. And then, you know, my daughter's dad and and then just all the things and and there was just a, I just worked on myself for such a long time that by the time that God planted this man like firmly in front of me I knew I knew within 10 seconds of meeting him yeah and you you were talking you you did share that about how he's just um you broke that rule of <laughs> never going to date an investor no matter what ever and then it's funny because 
sometimes the things you think you don't need, God's like, listen, that is the thing you do need. Mm-hmm. Because if I had a husband that wasn't supportive of me rehabbing and and running around the country teaching and wasn't supportive of all that, I I wouldn't be probably sitting here today or I'd be divorced again. And so I think people sometimes just, uh, they don't want to wait. Because, you know, God has like three answers. It's a yes and it's a no and it's a wait. Mm-hmm. And people want a yes or a no. All right, I prayed for this. Yes or no. When am I getting this? Right now. I want patience today. Well, when you pray for patience, God will send you somebody to test your patience. <laughs> you know? And I think when I find just was like, okay, I am really not in control of my life. And I'm just going to do my Bible studies. And I'm going to stay single. And I'm going to do the right things. And I'm going to stay in church and all that. Da, 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 and I just let it go. And, and then our, even our careers, we were both really doing well, but like together, it was just like stratosphere. And I it just, I don't know. I know for me all the way to, I was 30, I was like 38 when that started. I never waited. I would pray about something and do it anyway. And once I learned to wait, that's when everything got better. So my last question, I guess, is what is your final piece of advice? Because it sounds like it's to wait, but I'll let you figure that out. I'll let you answer that. You know, it it is kind of a little of all of that. I mean, I know that you're specifically reaching out to women and doing the spiritual path. And I feel like if women would just really, and, and I don't know, your generation might be a little bit different than mine, but my generation was very much. Uh, just grow up, get married, have kids, work at a factory, and that's what you do. That's what baby boomers, we were taught to do that. And I told my kids, don't you ever work for anybody else, and don't you ever work and step your foot in a factory. You're going to do real estate, and you're going to be self-employed, and like that's what you're going to do. <laughs> so I think um, that people just need, I don't know, I feel like if they feel like they should be working on themselves, or working on their own business, or working through their transformations and things that you do, I think people just need to have patience because that old saying, Rome wasn't built today, it is really true. Until you've been through a trying period where you really truly had to wait for things, you don't get it. Because I didn't get it till I was almost 40. I'm working on that. I'm I treated God more like a genie. Like, hey, I need this and this and this, like, like more of a genie than allowing myself to be guided. That I, I, what I got from that is allowing yourself to be guided, like really just, and being, having a servant's mind too, because when you, that in the learning mindset, when you're learning and you're serving others and you allow yourself to be guided, then, and, and you're also mindful, but then those things happen. It, it's, it takes its time. It's going to, it's not on our time. It's on God's time anyway. It is. And you know, the thing is like, I think Liv, that a lot of people think that they're letting God guide them, but they're really not. Cause I thought God was guiding me too for my whole thirties. And when I really was like, okay, you know what? I really need like, I need solid answers on things. I will wait. So when I really truly committed to being allowed to stop trying to, hey, God, this is, you know, maneuver God. <laughs> when I really truly allowed that, that really was a, a changing point 
in my whole life and all the areas of my life, my relationships and in my money and, and everything. But I thought I was allowing it before. And once I really allowed it, I looked back and realized I was still trying to control it. And I don't know where that point is for everybody. But there's a part of us that just is like, hey, Lord, I want to do this. What do you think? Okay, it's good. And the next day, you like you write a book. And God didn't want you to write a book, you know, and or something. And and I just don't think, I don't think we wait. I think we think we're waiting, mm-hmm. but we're not really waiting. Yeah. Now, see, I'm, now I'm going to ponder that. I'm going to think on that. I'm going to journal on it. What am I not really waiting on that I think I'm waiting on? Well, Tuan, thank you so much for joining <laughs> me today. I love talking to you. Um, I, I love having you on. I, I want to have you on again because, like, you just provide so much knowledge. Oh, thanks, Liv. You're so authentic, and you're just so I, – I just – you share so much. So thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you, and everything you're trying to do is – it's really an amazing journey that you're on. And I'm super happy to be this little nano part of it. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass.